Yo, what's up? This is Staff Picks. This is Fight Site Staff Picks for UFC 255, uh, Figueroa versus Perez. Uh, we didn't have time to write an article, so instead we're going to talk about it because that's easier. But to make it more special, we brought in a special guest, uh, Dan Tom. Uh, Dan, for people who don't know you, uh, what's, what's your deal? Where can they read your work? Where you been? Uh, I've been a lot of places, depending on who you ask, but we'll just keep it clean and MMA related since that is the show. Um, yeah, you just find me at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter, uh, where all my works for uh, MMA junkie, uh, blind movement for you gambling junkies out there, etc. You can find it all there. Awesome. And then of course I have Danny Martin and Shriram, uh, Morali Doran. I can say his last name, uh, Very nice. from the fight site. And, you know, they're the MMA podcast hosts, if you've never listened before. Uh, no MMA podcast this week because they're disorganized. And that's the entirety of that reason. So this is more of a roundtable than, than a big uh, podcast topic discussion. So we're going to go in a structured order. We're all going to get to talk about everything. So we're going to get to hear four different opinions on every subject. Um, yeah, instead of directly discussing the matchup first between Davison Figueredo and Alex Perez for the flyweight title, we're actually going to try to break down each athlete individually and then start to draw conclusions about the matchup after we've laid out the, uh, the groundwork. So the first topic of discussion is going to be Davis and Figueredo, uh, just our general reads about his game, strength, weaknesses, things we like, uh, just, just things that we feel uh, we can remark about. And to start with this topic, we'll have Shriram begin as he has written about Figueredo in the past and seems to be the biggest Figueredo fan among our staff. So that's kind of how we do our priorities here. So Shriram, take it away. Tell us about Davis and Figueredo. Right. So uh, Figueredo, I think he's drawn a lot of weird comparisons in terms of, you know, Yo Romero and even I've seen Jose Aldo comparisons, which is very weird to me, but I've seen them and that's one thing. But I think Yo Romero is probably the most interesting comparison in terms of how he functions in terms of process. He's a very good counterpuncher, which is probably his best skill set overall. He showed that against uh, Joseph Benavides, where he, you know, Benavides is pretty tough to deal with, or Benavides has trouble dealing with counterpunchers in terms of just his mechanics and Figueroa made that look very uh, evident, more evident than it probably should have, because Joe has now a reputation for that that he probably shouldn't. But Figueroa looked very good there. In general, Figueroa is, he's a very aggressive fighter. He's a very active at targeting the body, which is one of the things I really like seeing in fighters. Uh, I actually had an eye on him from like the, um, what was it, the Marco Beltran fight because of that. He hit Beltran's body very hard near the finish. Um, and that's something that you don't really see from prospects. He's a monstrous, monstrous athlete, um, especially for flyweight, which doesn't tend to have, it tends to have a lot of speed athletes and a lot of agility athletes. It doesn't quite have the raw strength and power athleticism that Figueredo clearly brings. And he knows how to use that. I think that's where the Yo Romero comparisons come from is that he's not a volume fighter, but he knows where he stands in a fight. He's very active at mitigating his opponent's volume to a point. And I think there are some really interesting considerations here in comparison to Alex Perez, because Perez, as we'll see later, is kind of more of a generalist. So it's going to be an interesting fight to see. Awesome. That was great. And next, we will have Danny Martin adding his thoughts on Davison Figueredo. Ooh. Dan taking priority. Um, I think Figueredo is a very unique sort of, he's a bit of a throwback almost. Um, because he, I, I, I watched some of his fights the other day with, with our friend Sandro, and the conclusion that I kind of drew is that he's 
he's missing a lot of like interstitial pieces of what we consider to be a cohesive game. Um, there are times where he can look really nasty in the clinch. And then there are other times where he completely misses the idea of framing and fighting grips. Sometimes his takedown defense just looks rock solid because guys can't physically compete with him. And then other times he's just willing to, to sell out on a choke and then winds up on his back. Um, I think the biggest thing when it comes to like the Yoel Romero comparison for me is the fact that I think Figueredo is a fighter like Romero who thrives on what you give him. Um, as with, you know, as with Romero, when he has guys who are constantly pushing a pace and constantly threatening things and entering on him, trying to, you know, threaten punch entries and, and takedowns and level changes, like that's where that tends to be where Figueredo finds his mark because he's just he's just so willing to exchange um, and he's able to find these little pieces of offense that you might not expect um, generally when he keeps colliding with people, he'll, you know, he'll frame them off with the, um, kind of that stepping up jab and so forth. When opponents sort of concede to a longer range fight and they sort of force Figueredo to, to pressure, he tends to get, you kind of see the limits of his technical toolbox. Um, for me that my brain kind of keeps jumping back to that fight with Juicy Formiga, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Um, so with a fighter like Joseph Benavidez, who's just pathologically aggressive and, you know, constantly wants to layer in exchanges, has a lot of good ideas with his striking, uh, is constantly darting in and out. Like that is kind of a recipe for Figueredo to make hay because he's, you know, he's willing to in engage in these exchanges over and over and over again. Um, it tends to be the people who fight Figueredo slower who are willing to faint him out a bit. Um, you kind of start to see Figueredo run out of ideas a little bit. Um, and I think that's that's kind of where I stand on him uh, as a champion. That's sort of where I stand on him as a, as a technical fighter. He's interesting. He's a lot of fun. Um, but there's I, I, I sort of wonder I wonder how a sort of diverse, a patient, diverse approach will play against him because it didn't play so well last time. So I'll stop there. Thank you, Danny. That was lovely. I also drew most of my conclusions about Figueredo from the Formigo fight. It's the one I've studied the most because I wrote an article about it. That's usually how my, my reads come about is what did I write about and what did I not write about? Uh, from that, definitely his counterpunching stands out. Not as not one of his most effective counterpunching performances because Formiga was so smart at drawing him out and hiding his jab and varying things. However, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me was he was making his reads on his counters so fast. Like he would see something one time and then the next time it came, he was already there uh, with like a counter uppercut or something crazy. Uh, super confident, really eager to pull the trigger on things, which is why the Joseph Benavidez first fight was so weird because he took that full first round just to let Benavidez try everything and to see everything coming and then, and then started to pull the trigger on counters in the second round. Uh, so maybe there's some variance with his approach, but really good at picking up his reads on counters. Definitely when, when he is more inert and waiting, you know, that's what he's doing with the OL. I know we said UL a few times with UL. I don't always know that's what he's doing. Um, and, or if he's going to stick with that approach with Figueredo, that's kind of his game uh, as a grappler. He has, 
he has the tools, he has the skills, uh, even like back to the Jared Brooks fight, he was doing a lot of good stuff. Um, but like, I, I don't think the competency was entirely there as a wrestler and like maybe the, the meta hadn't really sunk in that you shouldn't play off your back. Um, he wasn't really trying to get up yet, but that, that's definitely evolved over time. I'm thinking about that scramble with Benavidez in the first round, uh, in the first fight in the first round. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, he catches a Benavidez kick and they start grappling and he just looks super strong. Uh, grip looks crazy. He was on like Kimura really tight. Uh, it looks hard to contend with. He does slow down a little bit over time, but uh, definitely a difficult guy to grapple with and wrestle with. Super powerful striker, super durable. Um, has some tools on the outside. He can kick a fair bit, um, and he really gets length on his punches. So I think you know if you try to play mid range with him and you aren't giving him a ton to counter, he's not useless. You know he can still uh, score on you. So I like him. Uh, I typically don't like guys that hang back and counter just because I have ADD. But <laughs> otherwise, I've been enjoying him uh, as a champion. I like his personality. I like I like all that. Um, and yeah, I, I don't feel super strongly about him. I was definitely biased against him from the Formiga fight because he looked, he made some really dumb choices in that fight, like a spinning back fist from five feet away. Um, and, you know, when you get outsmarted by, by a fighter, sometimes it's like, oh, you got outsmarted by someone, you're dumb. Uh, but it's really just that Formiga is very smart himself. And uh, I've grown to appreciate Figueredo's uh, craftsmanship for what it is. That's kind of how I'm, how I'm standing. And then uh, to wrap it up, Dan... And Tom. Yeah, you guys have a lot of great points that uh, I don't disagree on at all. And, um, you know, I, 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 I really like uh, Figueredo. I'll start from the beginning, I guess, because Figueredo for me, he's, he's a guy I always point to in regards to managing expectations for fighters making their debut. Because whether it's the accusation of fighting to one's level, which you'll hear like kind of, kind of commentary levy in his early UFC fights for Figueredo. But really, if you go back and watch what you can of his pre-fights, he, he looks like a wild man, right? Um, and as we start to understand more Figueredo's game, um, and perhaps as he starts to flesh out and understand more of his own game, right, through his UFC career, it makes a little more sense. He's not just, you know, being wild to be, you know, a, a, a dickhead, pardon my French or anything. Like, no, he's he, he's got the long framing defense and the low hands because he wants you to take some risky moves to come at him. Um, kind of like what, what Danny said, as far as running out of ideas, I could, I could totally see, um, as far as the context Danny was speaking to there, but that also brings me, I guess, to that point, as far as, I don't know if it's so much running out of ideas as it is the fact that, and Paige note this for the matchup portion of, the, of our, our discussion, but I think it's more that he's such a good capitalizer on chaos. You know, he's not a round winner. He's not a Jackson Wink guy by any sense, but he will take almost every opportunity you give him to win the round, um, assuming it's tangible in his eyes, right? So that's kind of the interesting thing um, that has always caught my eye on Figueredo and figured he, he would be a dark horse, although, you know, I did admittedly pick and there was admitted bias in there, obviously, um, knowing Joe B. So, you know, you can, you can throw that apart, you know, but just because I picked against Figueredo in the past, does not mean I don't appreciate him. Obviously, you guys know this, having to, you know, pick all the time. And thank you for having me on this podcast feed, by the way. One of the few MMA podcast feeds I can still listen to. Um, but yeah, so it, just because I picked against him in the past, like, I certainly appreciate Figueredo's game. And I think he's understanding more who he is. Um, Ed brought up the first Benavidez fight a lot. And I like that one, too, because it's like, the Formiga fight, he's making plenty of questionable decisions, right? And Formiga's smart and 
Like you could totally see that as a legitimate prospect loss, um, especially after sweating a near prospect loss to Jared Brooks, which kind of came out of nowhere. Right. And I'm not here to argue that I'm just kind of saying it is for what it is. Um, so it, it's not so much of a, a something I'm going to crucify him for. And again, I don't like to go off fighters excuses, but there were reports that Figueredo was dealing with a lot of injuries going into that Formiga fight. Right. And then you look at him in that first Benavidez fight back to Ed's citation there. And like I read about in my breakdown, like you could see some of his improvements since the Formiga fight. Um, he's a little more smarter where he's framing off the hips. He's re-steering uh, with his head and, and taking the outside position against the fence as he pushes Benavidez against the fence. And perhaps you guys can interject whenever uh, as I'm going to wrap up here. But I also wonder that, okay, that he checks the technique box as far as his side of the dance, but I don't know if they were the best shots from Benavidez for him to use his power. And obviously Benavidez is not going to be more powerful uh, than Figueredo on his best day uh, in the best day of his prime even. Right. So I don't know how much to weight that, but you got to give credit to Figueredo that he is showing improvements all around. Uh, lastly, the most I take from that first Benavidez fight is actually that armbar catch. Because again, if you look at Figueredo's, early days is more quote unquote wild man regional days. As I refer to him, he's jujitsu wise. Like he's more of a position. In that armbar catch, you see his transitional savvy. I got to imagine that comes from that cross training with team alpha male. Um, so it'll be interesting. I know he hasn't been training with them for the last couple of camps, obviously this pandemic. So I'm going to be curious to see uh, if, you know, if those get tested, but I, I love what I've seen from Figueredo. Awesome. That was great, Dan. I like uh, all, all the technical details uh, about his evolution. You know, if I haven't watched something like 30 seconds ago, I, I'm not able to cite that kind of information. So that's great. Um, we're going to, we're actually going to keep it on you. You're going to, you're going to kick it off to talk about Alex Perez. If you're ready. Yeah. I'll, from ready, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep this one short and set things up. Uh, 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 my breakdown will be coming out hopefully later today or when this drops. Um, so you guys are depending, you know, depending, you guys might actually be, might be getting one of my first scoops here, but uh, yeah, man, I basically was, was kind of surprised. Like when I go look at Alex Perez, um, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm going to save it for the matchup talk, but I'm not liking his, his chances. Uh, and I'm watching his early UFC fights. Right. And I'm like, this guy's got like a magnet for like right hands, like every right hand that's being thrown his way hits him. And, and maybe even seeing like him kind of get stunned, you know, um, perhaps some like, I don't want to say dur durability issues. I mean, you can even, there's argue points of Figueredo's career where he was rushed or whatever, you know, by heavy handed, uh, heavy handed fighters. And I, I love my Mexican warriors. And there's a lot of crossover with these two sample size, but staying on, on, on the Mexican warrior at hand, Alex Perez here, I was, I was impressed as time went on and he is a, a, a story. Like I always get, confused with Brandon Royville maybe because they're both flyweights and whatnot but they both had these crazy like work ethics where they were working multiple jobs overnights and that didn't stop until about their first or second UFC appearance and you in just in that short time you start to see some some big improvements and I think you see that from Perez and as I'm you know I, as I'm go, going down in, in chronological order because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a dang completist right I had a watch more than I probably should tape wise. I'm going, I hope this guy for the sake of it puts more feints into his game. And I still have that complaint now. However, he has been a little more better about it. You know, uh, believe me, I, I'm not going to hold my breath for anything. Alexander Volkanovsky. Yes, folks. 
but the way that not just, you know, going low with the leg kicks and calf kicks or rolling off and slipping off to each side, mean being able to make hay with it through level changing threats, even if he's not letting him go, he's punctuating exchanges with a much better left hook is because he's finally throwing away the right hand as opposed to feeling like he always has to throw it. And these little things I like, however, regardless of how you cut it, right, guys, he's going to be playing with fire here. But when you look at the wrestling, you know, we're, we're staying on Perez here and just kind of like his evolution. It's weird because you could argue that like, all right, well, can we trust him to change gears? We go and look at past fights. And there are some fights where it's like, overall, we can argue, is he one of those typical wrestlers that's just falling in love with his hands? You know what I'm saying? Or typical grapplers, jujitsu guys, we've seen it to go through their K1 phase. But it's like, well, no, he, he's had fights where like, he's had a really bad weight cut injury and sickness, which was all that Eric, Eric Shelton fight that may have been an elevation as well. Granted, he did miss weight, right? Um, which again, there's a lot of crossover and parallels with these guys' sample sizes. Uh, but without crucifying him for the weight miss, if you look at that performance with all those things going against him, like, and, and Eric Shelton aside, you know, I know he hasn't aged well. And perhaps if you ask me or other people, he was overinflated maybe at the time, neither here nor there. The fact was under bad circumstances, a guy like Perez was able to kind of wrestle hard, keep a pace for three rounds, which I like to see as far as adversity, gas tank, you know, mental, all, physical, all the sorts of distractions. And he does things which we'll page note for a later conversation, um, which I think are going to be very important, which is risk control. I know I'm, I'm it, risk control is unsung hero. I can't shut up about it, but I really do think it matters when you're talking about explosive guys, you know? Um, and, and again, I'm not, I'm going to keep it on Perez here, but he does these little details, these check boxes when he's grappling, where he's keeping his hands, where he's keeping his posture. Like I'm like, I really like it. So it, it, I, I feel like regardless of what happens, we, we still haven't nearly seen this guy's final product. He's only 28 years old. He has a lot of fights, um, you know, more fights than his counterpart, even despite being younger, but I still feel like there's a, there's, there's, there's a lot more left to go. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. I was, I was surprised. I think you, uh, uh, you were leading me to believe that you were uh, higher on, on Perez than you were before this, but that was a good, a good fair assessment, I believe. Uh, and like I said before, my memory is terrible, but I did just watch a few Alex Perez fights before we came here. Uh, and I did write about him back in the day after the uh, Jose Torres knockout, because that was crazy. Um, but yeah, Alex Perez, I'm, I'm drawn to him because he's a wrestler. And so I automatically like him, but he has a lot of cool stuff with his game. Uh, when you talk to like me or Ryan Wagner about him, the only thing we remember automatically is like, oh, he has a, a nice game from front headlock, like very good control from front headlock, good choke series. Um, just, just super good from there. And uh, I think that speaks to overall that he's a mat wrestler uh, at his at his core. That's what he's best at. Dan was just talking about the wrist control. Uh, his rides are great. Um, and and he, it's one of those things where I can't automatically – say oh i'm looking for x y or z and someone to determine if they're a good wrestler or not in mma when i see someone going through the steps like hitting all the right the right sequences on, on certain rides or whatever they're doing i'm like oh yeah this guy can flat out wrestle um and funny enough that's something i used to think about eric shelton too like eric shelton someone i think about more than other people probably um <laughs> i've always kind of liked him because i watched the ultimate fighter series i'm like this guy is super athletic um has skills in every area can definitely make something happen um, can wrestle. I mean, I, I really liked him. So 
you know, out wrestling an athletic guy over three rounds. And like you said, under, uh, you know, adverse circumstances is pretty cool. Yeah. I just, uh, the evolution of his game has been pretty interesting as well as a striker. He definitely has some habits that make me want to be worried about this matchup. Like, uh, uh, he definitely, he's a pressure fighter. He likes to, to wing hooks in the pocket. He likes to, you know, hunker down behind his shoulders a little bit, very wide, uh, wide elbows. So, you know, not someone I'm too worried about getting, you know, hooked on the outside, but anything through the middle is a concern counters. Um, Joe B countered him while he was kicking uh, a lot of naked kicks from the outside against Joe B. I think he was a little bit worried about the counter punching from his punching and then his new strategy left him a little more vulnerable. So definitely some work to be done on the feet, but against his, in his most recent fight, I think it was his most recent fight against Mark De La Rosa. Uh, he looked a little more patient. He was floating his jab a little bit. I think that's what you were alluding to a bit with the fainting. Um, he, he's understanding the, the purpose of throwaway strikes and kind of, you know, touching his way into range rather than just, uh, marching in against someone who's not so good on the back foot and kind of there to be hit like Jose Torres. That's great. Um, and when he has someone hurt, he swarms really well. His targeting is great. He goes to the body viciously, him and Figueredo both. Uh, so on the feet, I'm not like saying he's going to win the fight this way, but um, he can handle himself. He seems tough. Uh, chin seems good. He did get knocked out twice by Benavidez in that fight, uh, but he also got hit in the back of the head a million times. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird fight to judge him based on, um, but he's a tough guy. He's very athletic and strong, and I like him. And with regard to his wrestling game, oh, I forgot to mention the kicking. The kicking is very important. Um, he does it. Like ha- having a kicking game at all, even if it's not that nuanced, is pretty helpful. Um, because if he isn't like storming into the pocket over and over against against Figueredo, at the very least, we know he has at least one tool uh, where he can try to score and keep the fight competitive on the outside. Um, and he's doing that that cool Sanda thing uh, that you were mentioned, Dan. Uh, that he's, he's uh, rolling off, off after his low kicks in both directions. You said, I only saw it on one side, uh, but that leads me into his wrestling. Uh, so his preferred shot is the snatch single. Uh, he is really good at covering a couple feet <laughs> to get to it. And his entry, it doesn't look that dangerous, honestly. Like I know the snatch single is like ducking your head from the outside and weaving in, but uh, he gets to it pretty quick. Uh, he is pretty level changing on, on his entries as a striker too, just by his mechanics. So that helps him in this case, instead of being a liability. Um, but, you know, with, with some guys, if their preferred shots, a, a snatch single, I worry because many, many MMA fighters are not good at finishing singles quickly. Um, and if you can't finish it quickly, you're going to get drawn out and tired out and they're going to hit you. And it's just not, not a good place to be. This is kind of what I was talking about, about being procedural and going through the steps. He is excellent at, you know, getting his head positioning in the right place, turning the corner his footwork is great. He moves people around well. Um, he shrugs off to the back a lot. Sometimes he'll seat belt. Um, sometimes he'll change direction and bring that, that base leg back across uh, the other way and trip people out. And he does these things really well in the cage too, which is, which is a huge boost. Uh, because having to snatch single someone in space isn't a super reliable game, but singling someone in the cage is actually a lot more available than, than a lot of other shots. So uh He's somebody that can actually move people off the cage and redirect them. Dan, we talked about that uh, when I was on your podcast about like good, good neutral wrestlers in MMA. That's a skill I look for. So I really like him as a wrestler. I like him on the feet. I like him on the mat. Um, and his entries are easy. You know, it's not that hard to get to his snatch single. Um, it's one of the easier shots to get to. The point is that it's kind of a shallow attack. 
So you have to do a lot of work thereafter. Um, but I mean, if Figueredo's, I'm getting to the matchup, but if Figueredo's defense is to threaten with submissions, then that actually plays really well in his favor if he's going to engage him um, once they start grappling. So I liked what I saw from, from the, new, the new tape on Perez. I liked him before. Uh, I'm definitely concerned <laughs> about a lot of things, but I have a lot of good things to say about him. And he's a wrestling coach, uh, full-time, I believe, high school. So uh, in, in uh, Limor, California, which is where Isaiah Martinez is from. So I have a lot of, a lot of nice things to say about Alex Perez, and I hope he does well. And uh, now it's Danny Martin's turn. Uh, yeah, man, I, I liked Alex Perez the moment I saw him. Um, I think he is a very well-reasoned proactive fighter. Um, as Dan, Tom kind of said, he's, you could kind of see glimpses of a technical striking game and, uh, you know, how he could lace that into a wrestling game in his earlier fights. What was it? Was it the, he was a contender series guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could kind of see glimpses of it, but I think in his last couple, particularly that Formiga fight, um, it really started to come to fruition. He's always had a nice left hook. Um, he does a much better job closing the door and weaving into it and off it. Um, I do like that he's been fainting and throwing away shots more. Um, I think that there is some of his entries can get a little risky. I remember in the, um, it was the Jordan Espinoza fight. He pretty much backed Espinoza up with a flurry and then managed to clasp double unders along the fence and just sort of just pulled him off the fence. Um, which, you know, shows like Alex Perez is strong. Like he's, he's a big boy. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily the type of entries he'll want to look for against Figueredo. What made me think about it was the, um, that Pantoja fight with, with Figueredo. Cause I think Pantoja actually managed to take Figueredo down was it was it a snatch single? It was some he kind of wove into it, I think. Um, and he actually wove into a snatch single and got figure eight on his back. And even even watching it, I was like, oh, that kind of looks like a Perez takedown. That actually looks like something that Perez is probably gonna be watching. Uh, and look, it was an open space. Um I think that Perez can be put off a little bit when he's doesn't feel like he's quite as physically strong um i I hate to use the term size bully but i kind of think he has a little that a little bit of that complex where he's used to um used to being strong and used to you know physically overwhelming his opponents probably one of the reasons that his front choke series works so well um is because he's got such a strong grip um and can play you know plays into his ride and his top control really well um and as like you guys said i really do like his riding game as well um i noticed that in some of his uh maybe it was the shelton fight it was either the shelton fight or the de la rosa fight um and he's he's just a really natural natural in transitions on the ground um so there's like there's a lot to like about perez as a fighter um and there's a lot to there's a lot of things i can see in this matchup and be like i think there's i think there's there's potential there like to give figueredo a tough fight um the question is really can he can he stick to it without getting without either getting knocked out in the process or kind of getting spooked out of his own you know out of his own game because i think the um the torres fight and the espinoza fight and you know even to some degree the formiga fight 
Um, I think he's a fighter, and I bang on this drum all the time, so I apologize for sounding redundant. But um, I think Perez is very much an initiative-based fighter, uh, and he really, he really wants to just grab a hold of that and force his game. Um, he's, as Dan Tom said, he's kind of done work to patch up some of those you know, some of those holes that he had earlier to, to the point where his game, as I said, is more well-reasoned now. It makes more sense, but I still think he's a fighter that kind of lives on being proactive. Um, and as I also said earlier, those proactive fighters tend to be the ones that run face first into figure eight punches. Um, and so that's like, I, I mean, I don't mean to skip over Surum, but it feels like we're kind of moving into discussing the matchup now. Um, I'll let, I'll let Surum say his piece on Perez. Cause I'm sure that the, um, the discussion on the fight were probably sounds like we have a lot of the same sorts of yeah. opinions. I was going to say, uh, Shuram, after you give your impressions of Perez, you can go right into your, your prediction and, and your matchup thoughts. And then we'll, we'll go back around the same, the same order. Um, does that sound good? Yeah. I mean, I don't have any new thoughts on Perez. He was always one of the flyweights who, I mean, I paid attention to obviously cause, uh, to be frank, Ed and Ryan told me to pay attention to him, so I did, and it was well worth it because he's pretty interesting uh, for all the reasons that you guys mentioned. Um, and I think the thing that I found most interesting about him, especially going out of the Shorty Torres fight, is that he kind of knows, he scouts his opponent fairly well, better than I think we're used to seeing fighters do. Because, I mean, as Danny mentioned, he's usually a, a very proactive fighter who takes the initiative and moves forward and either wrestles or strikes. He does his thing, right? But I think you could see in some of his later performances and even back to the Shorty Torres fight, how he kind of tuned his approach. Because I guess, for example, Juicy Formiga, who was very tuned in on the leg kick from the beginning. And I don't think leg kicks is something that Formiga is like specifically bad at dealing with, but he stuck to it even after he got countered a couple of times. And against Shorty Torres, of course, you had, he's a slow starter, which even the commentary laughed at him about. But uh, Perez came out and just kind of torched him and did the right thing to deal with the slow starter a vicious, vicious combination punching extended the exchanges because he knew that there wasn't much danger. Now, the worries that I have is a lot similar to what you guys have watching the Torres fight. It wasn't close at all, but there were some moments where you could see a bigger, more comfortable counterpuncher finding some moments because he ran right into Torres's right hand a couple times. Uh, I think he's a decent defensive fighter. He's not, he's not markedly bad. He's not a Daniel Cormier, but he's not particularly good, I would say, when he's focused on punching, especially with that kind of approach. And I think that's what kind of um, distorts it a little bit. So he changes his approach based on his fighter, which means that we can kind of trust him to fight Figueredo with a more cautious game plan than he did Shorty Torres. But I think there are some dangers inherent in the way that he does things just normally. And as you guys mentioned, there are some threads throughout his uh, career. There's the pressure, there's putting the volume on. And he's pretty much a contrast to Figueredo in that sense, because Figueredo, he's not a volume fighter, as I mentioned, and Perez is going to be giving him the opportunities. So the wrestling, you guys already mentioned everything that I could mention and a lot of things that I could not mention. So uh, I'm not the wrestling guy, and that should be very clear. And I'm glad that it's not, because you guys already mentioned everything. Um, yeah, so Perez is a very interesting fighter. He's a very cohesive fighter, I think. Um, and I think he presents an interesting challenge to Figueredo, but I also think that there are some things to find in even his more dominant performances. Formigo wasn't exactly dominant, but it was obviously clear it was a first-round KO, so I guess I could get away with calling it dominant. Formiga and even Torres, where I think you could find some spots for Figueredo. One thing that I think is underrated about Figueredo is that he's actually a pretty diligent, uh, he's pretty diligent at dealing with kicks. 
because Joe B couldn't really get away with a ton of kicks in the first fight. And in the second fight, he pretty much got clobbered with the first kick he threw. Um, Tim Elliott did a lot of like weird snappy front kicks and stuff, but the first committed round kick he threw got countered in combination hard. Alejandro Pantoja threw a couple round kicks. Both of them got countered hard in the first round. I think if Perez would kind of get put off by big hard counter punchers with this kick, and he's a smart fighter. I mean, he's genuinely a smart fighter, but the pitfall for being a smart fighter in that sense is that if you get hit hard, instead of trying to keep doing it, you're going to change it up. And I think that could be trouble here because if leg kicks are like a route to scoring safely on the outside, if he's put off by Figueredo being that focused early on, then he could just be waiting into the pocket to get counterpunched. Uh, the wrestling, I mean, I'd have to see him wrestle someone as big and as strong as Figueredo to be very confident of that. He's, as you guys mentioned, a very good wrestler, but Figueredo is, even against good top players like Alejandro Pantoja, and even Formiga later in the fight, he was able to just explode out of bad positions. Um, it's tough for me to favor Perez here. I'm going to go with Figueredo. I'm very biased, but I think that if Perez can score with his kicks early and Figueredo is as good at countering kicks as he showed earlier, it's going to be tough for Perez to not concede a pocket fight with a bigger, more comfortable puncher. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be a great fight, however it goes. Cause I mean, unless Perez just dominates Figueredo is anyone who beats Figueredo, I think it's going to have to go right through him. I don't know if Perez is the guy, but I do feel better about him than Moreno or Askarov or Roybal. I think you could put together a smart game plan to make Figueredo look a bit uncomfortable, but I do think that he's going to be walking into a lot of danger here. Go ahead, Danny. Do you say Danny or Dan Tom? Oh, thank you. You. Um, I, you know, I have a feeling that all of us are probably going to default to Figueredo. And part of me is just sort of saying, like, dare to be different. Um, here's, here's an idea. Let me, let me throw one at you. What if Figueredo manages to hurt Perez or kind of scare him off early and Perez fighting a slower fight actually lends itself to him winning over five rounds yeah scratch your chin at that one Ed how about that because I'm, I'm only half kidding I actually think that there's a a possibility and I've seen this from Perez a little bit I guess the, the Benavidez fight is sort of the exception that proves the rule but in fights where Perez has had some early, I'm not going to say adversity, just some early difficulty. You know, as Dan Tom pointed out, sometimes he just gets nailed with a right hand on the way in. Sometimes he's just being a little bit careless. Sometimes he just, you know, he just, he kicks without setting it up and he gets countered. And then he is reminded that he has to, to faint and to set up. Um, he does tend to sort of, t- almost in like a Dillashaw kind of way, he takes a minute, like, resets a little bit figures out what wasn't working and then sort of kind of tries to, to to ramp back up into his into his pace um there is a part of me that's thinking like what if that happens you know something you know something bad maybe happen. maybe he has a tough round he can't really get anything going you know maybe he he hits a takedown or two but he can't really hold figure it out now whatever it may be and what if he's actually forced to fight against his natural inclinations as an aggressive fighter? Because I really think that there is something to what I said earlier about Figueredo really kind of needing needing guys to sort of give him give him opportunities to sort of you know take take entries you know take these advantages. That's part of the reason why he's so much fun to watch is because he's just he'll just sort of use his his chin as bait and then sort of 
you know, draw guys into layered exchanges and where he's generally the tougher, faster, you know, more bigger hitter, whatever. Um, but I, I just have this feeling of like, you know, I, I don't mean to belabor this point, but I really do kind of keep going back to that, that Formiga fight where Formiga, one of the things that he did so beautifully in that fight was he was very, very particular about when he smothered Figueroa's punches. Like when, when he initiates the clinch. Um, and I think that that is, I think that that is still a viable strategy against Figueroa because I don't think he's a particularly good transitional fighter. If you, you know, it was often figure, you know, Formiga staying at the peak of his range, you know, forcing Figueroa to lead. And then, you know, Formiga would sort of smother his punches, initiate the clinch, and then maybe break it with something small and create distance again. And then Figueredo was still sort of trying to get out of the clinch, trying to get back his range, because suddenly that this this target just kind of eluded him, right? And I think that that is, I think there's a there's a possibility for that. Like there, there's a chance that that could could actually work for Perez. Um, it's just it's just going to force him to sort of fight against his his natural tendencies, and I sort of i mean i've never really seen either guy go five rounds but i sort of think that perez will probably be the stronger one down the stretch should it get to rounds four and five um you know i think that his over five rounds i imagine if perez sort of keeps hammering those takedown entries even if they don't really work early you know he might he might bring Figueredo back to making silly mistakes. Figueredo might kind of get tired. He may resort to, you know, attacking with chokes that maybe aren't there, whatever it may be. Um, I sort of have a, I have questions about that sort of consistency of attack. I know he can do it in, I know he can defend takedowns in moments. Uh, but when you're talking about a five round fight, um, I sort of have to wonder like, how does that, it's sort of like the Khabib, the Khabib thing. Like, can you, I know you can defend a takedown. Can you consistently defend it from someone who's going to keep attacking it? Um, that is a very qualification-filled read. Uh, I am aware that that is kind of a, maybe a bit, there's some expectation to that that may not come to fruition. It may just be horribly misguided. Um, there's a good chance that Perez just gets whacked on the way in, in some big exchange. I get it. But um, I think I'll go against the grain. I think I'll pick, um, I think I'll take Perez by decision. I think that there's a, uh, there's a chance that he, I think that there's a, a real chance that he maybe, you know, gets a little bit, you know, gets a little too eager early and then kind of figures out a way to slow the fight down and, and and I I I just I just don't really trust Figueredo's technical depth that much, so it's a you know bit, bit of a hail mary, but fuck it, Perez by decision. I'm happy. I'm happy you did that. Um, and I liked your hypothetical, and I don't think that's crazy. Um, I could totally see that happening. And you know, it, it definitely part of a qualification prediction is also like, can Perez fight that way if he needs to change his approach? And Hello. I'm not positive that he can, but some credence to that idea is he trains at Team Oyama, and they are full of guys who do that. Um, like Ian who else is there? 
Ian McCall, and then Marlon Vera oh, okay. uh, is mostly out of there. And I know Marlon Vera is a swarmer by trade, but he tries to not be. Um, so <laughs> that's what they coach. They coach outfighters. So cool. I think it's possible that he has that in his uh, his toolkit. And it's a uh, it's mostly a closed stance matchup, right? Uh, they're both orthodox. Big or, switches, but big switches. Kind of, he he just sort of switches as something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Perez is uh, is mostly orthodox. Yeah, believe, Perez, so. Perez is orthodox. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Well, sorry, dog is barking. Um, toast. Yeah, it's toasty. Uh, but I, I think if you're trying to outfight against Davis and Figueredo, doing it from close stance is a lot better for you, uh, just because you can be in and out with your jab like Formiga was. If I'm picking against uh, Figueredo confidently, just based on what we've seen so far, I, I do want it to be a wrestler and grappler, and I want it to be someone who can outfight. To draw him in because that's when it's easier to take him down uh get him swinging on you get him coming in uh you know maybe maybe they studied the tape and they say oh this is our best chance to path to victory alex you can do that let's do that um i'm not going to make a pick based on things i haven't seen someone do i even though i was proved wrong with that in the habib gaichi fight where i didn't Khabib had never done that kind of takedown entry before i'm like oh he won't do it and then he did um but I can't predict when people are going to change their entire game. So <laughs> uh, just based on that, I, I do think that the Perez will probably try to pressure like he does. Um, probably being more careful than usual. I think we can assume that much just because they're aware of the matchup. Um, and yeah, I just, I totally feel like if it goes longer than a couple of rounds, it's going to go further and further in Perez's favor. I feel like maybe our concerns about Figueredo's cardio down the stretch might be more overstated now that Figueredo is actually figuring out the weight forever. I thought he was not long for flyweight. I think he's going to be a bantam weight very soon, but apparently he, uh, he got a nutritionist and he was like 10 pounds out a couple days ago or like yesterday or something like that, which is crazy to me. Um, Cause he's so shredded. Where is the weight coming from? Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but apparently the weight cuts easier for him now. And usually cardio issues are weight cut related or style related. And I could see the style relation still coming into play just because figure out swings big. He uses strength for a lot of what he does, uh, a lot of energy expenditure. So I don't think he's not going to gas down the stretch. I just think it's probably not going to come as soon as uh, you might expect. So there's a path. There's definitely a path for Perez. I want to pick him. I like him. I want him to win. I just can't unsee him getting hit really hard <laughs> uh, in the pocket pretty quickly. And his his reactions to being hurt against Benavides weren't bad necessarily. And you can't really judge him getting finished there because the shots were illegal. Uh, I'm never going to stop talking about that because it was ridiculous. Um, so I- I'm still I'm very on the fence about this fight. I- I'm not really sure how to feel. But I think I just got to go with the most likely outcome or the most likely you know, major thing that's going to happen in this fight, which is Perez getting rocked. And I can't just assume he's going to make it through there. So I'm going to pick Figueredo. I don't want to. Um, and hopefully Dan Tom can give me some hope again. I, I like it, man. I like it. Um, I just want to bring up because you brought this up after, I think, on your last turn, because it was after my last turn, Ed. Um, which was the back of the head shots. And that's totally true. And I love both guys, right? So it's not like a, a bias thing either way for that Perez and Benavidez fight. But don't forget, this is including by Benavidez's own admission. You can hear it in the fight pass audio between rounds. In fact, folks, 
there were at least one, but uh, but actually when I went to rewatch it, it looked like two headbutts, head collisions, whatever you want to call it. Even if it was a, a head collision, you want to classify, I would say it was more thudding uh, and less um, visually damaging than the one, of course, with the Karma Benavidez happening in their first fight with Fed Figueredo, right? Um, that was more of a glancing one in comparison to the one I'm citing with Perez uh, Benavidez. And again, Benavidez, the winner, admits it himself. So that's not like a salty spilt milk or my tinfoil hats on, like it's from the horse's mouth. So that's also something to consider um, in that one TKO victory because it's a game of matchups, right? And we've seen this before with the what was what's the classic one everyone points to? It was like what was it Matt Hughes Hallman um, or whatever like that, that try that weird triangle of guys who like they, they could oh. trig. Um, Frank Trigg was the other one, you know, Frank Trigg beats Rappler's Holman, but he can't, he can't beat Hume, yeah, he can't beat yeah. Hughes. Right. But Hughes owns, you know, Holman twice or Holman owns Hughes twice early in his career. And there's these weird love triangles. Right. And I think we're trying to figure that out. Where does Perez fit? Because Formiga beat Figueredo, right. Uh, Benavidez iced Formiga just like, uh, you know, in a different way, but you know, he, he iced him like Perez, but he got iced by, Figueredo, you know what I'm saying? So I think we're essentially trying to figure out where Perez fits in this little love triangle. And um, although I don't blame Ed for siding the way he sides with, because like you can't go against your eyes and what you see. Um, and although we have similar sentiments, uh, I'm going to be going the opposite way as Ed, but for similar reasons. Now I get what Ed is saying because uh, my man Suram brings up a great point when he brought up the Torres fight, right? Like that was probably the most enlightening thing for me when I was watching the Perez side of this, the tape. Cause you're like, Oh, shorty Torres. Like you think of it as this hallmark performance, right? Uh, where he really bursts on the scene, a, a, a proverbial coming out party. But when you go back and watch everything before that, like to Suram's point, he's eating like every right hand and uh, the, the, the initiative point tying that in that both Danny and Suram spoke of, of like, him kind of being hardwired to go forward. If it doesn't work, it's going to not work really bad, like walking into the wood chipper bad, right? So I don't I don't blame those picks. Uh, Figueredo's the deserved favorite. But uh, in my breakdown, which isn't out yet, but I feel a little better about it now because uh, I was going to say, I, I, I feel like I, I got to credit Danny Martin whenever I use the word initiative, right? But that was the exact word I use in my breakdown that's coming out um, for Perez because I too, like Danny Martin, um, picked Perez by decision. Now, I didn't cover that scenario that Danny did. I thought that was really interesting, right? I don't know if for some reason it also reminded me of like uh, uh, Kevin Holland, uh, I think, versus uh, the Italian guy where he gets his arm broken and it, like it took Kevin Holland something bad happening to him for him to like start fighting behind a jab. And, like, and it reminded me of that. So that's a fantastic point. I don't bring up. However, I picked decision and say initiative because I feel like fighters, even if they didn't have much tools like a Jared Brooks, if they did take initiative, that's also where the moments of success, the hardest fights, or even the losses um, Figueredo had, whether it was uh, an, an initiation to wrestle meaningful ones and, and guys that could, again, I'm a big Joe B fan. He is a wrestler folks, but obviously more of a scrambler, obviously one of the best scramblers, but yes, more of a scrambler than an offensive takedown threat. Not trying to downplay what Figueredo was able to do. I'm just not quite sold. Whereas with Perez, and I was really interested going back to his kind of wrestling um, pedigree. It's like, yeah, we haven't seen him against like the most biggest physical forces. So like, I totally 
hear you guys as far as reservations. And those two are my reservations. But I don't know if it's like the Chris Weidman or brother thing, but just reading like this guy, like his older brothers were both like Lamore high school champs. And like the guy he was trained at, I don't have the name now. It's in my report, but like that guy was a, a Lamore champ and he comes from this lineage. So it's like having this pressure, having bigger people around you always bullying you. Like, I don't know. Like that's where a lot of like great fighters tend to come from much less the wrestling base. Right. So um, he could very well be iced. I'm being long-winded here, so I'll just get to it. I'm picking Perez by decision, guys. I'm ready to be called crazy. Not asking anybody to follow me off this cliff. But uh, I think he's got the tools to uh, wrestle his way to victory, which sucks because I've been someone on record before, you know, the casuals were calling Figueredo as a contender. I was already calling for Figueredo versus Peter Yan. It's my dream fight. Um, so believe me, I hope I'm wrong, guys. For that sake, I hope I'm wrong here. Yeah. Well, I'll follow you off that cliff, Dan. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I wanted, I wanted to be talking to Perez. I'm going to stick with it just so we're still 50-50. But, yeah, no, <laughs> something I was thinking about when you're talking about the, the triangles, the, the quadrangles, the rectangles, whatever you want to call it, with uh, the flyweights. Um, if you're doing strictly, strictly Wikipedia analysis on this, it's still pretty interesting. And uh, I, I feel like we're in a spot where – Picking the underdog, picking the challenger isn't isn't that wild. I mean, it's a pretty even fight in my eyes, just because Formiga is I'm not Formiga. Figueroa is not that established. Like as the champion, he beat Benavidez, which is awesome, but also Joby didn't look like he was in his prime in either of those fights, especially not the second one. That was this one of the saddest things I've ever seen, probably um, as, as a Joby lover. Uh, so yeah, I figured it was a legitimate champion. I'm not saying that he's just not like one of these guys who's like holding it down on top of the weight. Definitely the best guy. Um, somebody who's like, you know, bulletproof skill set. you know, weaknesses are like second, third layer to quote our friend, Simon. Uh, it's not, it's not like you can just do one thing right away and it's going to work on him. You have to get through some of his game to, to get to those weaknesses. So I think he's still one of those guys, but um, he, he's vulnerable, you know, he's more vulnerable than, than other champions would be just based on, on, you know, the name value of the matchup. Uh, and then with Perez, it's like, Oh, who did he be like with, with names? But I mean, Formiga's still giving people tough fights, even though he's probably post prime prime as well. Uh, Joe B <laughs> that fight is weird. And, but that was a lot closer to his prime. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's a, it's more of an even matchup than, than people are giving it credit for and uh, Figueredo might be a little more, a little more vulnerable than initial impressions imply. I mean, I was thinking about it in terms of is Alex Perez the best wrestler in the division right now in the UFC? Probably, right? Who else is there? Um, all, all the other like esteemed wrestlers left the division or the organization. Um, so it's probably him. So it's, this is a very interesting matchup, and this pay per view is definitely going under the radar. Uh, people aren't really talking about it. We forgot to do our staff picks article. Uh, there's, there's, it's, it's us too. Uh, but the more I think about it, the more interesting it is. And I, I, I'm really excited to see it play out. And even if Figueredo does just like dust him immediately, that doesn't mean he was an unworthy challenger. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. You know, it's, it's a great win. Um, it's a cool fight. It's an interesting challenge. And I really hope wrestling happens so I can write about it. <laughs> I'd like to see something interesting happen. Yeah. Like, I I don't want to – I really don't want to see one of these guys just get blown out of the water. Because it's, it's, it should be an even fight. It should be fun. Like, you know, I, I hope we actually get to learn something about Figueredo. 
um, because he's had such an inauspicious rise. Like he's had some, you know, he's had some real like breakout wins, but he's also had some kind of some weird performances as well. Like I'd, I'd like, I hopefully Perez can actually push him in ways that can actually answer some questions about him. So I'm hoping whatever happens, I'm hoping it's a good fight. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm, uh, yeah. Like I'm generally happy with Figueroa just killing people, but I do think, like, and in general, it's going to be a fight where I think um, if Figueroa wins, and I think that's true of Figueroa, whether he wins or loses any future fight, it's going to be if he wins, he looks like a minus one thousand wins, ten out of ten, and if he loses, he looks kind of useless after the first couple rounds, just because that's the kind of fighter he is. I mentioned this in the Joe Beef um, pre-fight thing before the first fight. Uh, because, you know, the second fight was the second fight. But in the first fight, it's that the contrast between him and Joe B was that Joe B was a real building sort of fighter, where with Figueredo, it was he does a lot of things, but he doesn't do them consistently that much and he doesn't build on them as much as you might want to see, which means that he's ridiculously dangerous early. But if someone figures out the things that he does, he's not really going to change it up in terms of like, you know, if you like, if you face a good jabber, for instance, they're going to like change up the rhythm on things and that kind of thing. Or if you face Figueredo, he's going to have the same couple tools and he's just going to want you to walk into them after a point, I suspect. And I think it's possible that if Figueredo loses, we're going to be like Figueredo is just kind of a transitional period between the old guard of Joseph Benavidez and the new guard of Alex Perez. But I also think that Figueredo is a lot smarter than people give him credit for. He's a lot better at working around his limitations than people give him credit for. Um, I, I think one of the better examples is like the end of Pantoja round two, where like he was maybe behind, maybe not. And he just went on like a rampage. He knows what his advantages are. He knows where he stands in a fight. And I think he's, and I think even if Perez goes on the back foot, we've seen him do some interesting things against, for example, Joseph Benavidez in terms of pressure. Um, he's very, I wouldn't say he's very good on the lead as much as he is on the counter, but he knows how to beat guys who are scared of him. And I think Perez just has a little bit too much of a mountain to climb. So it's a very interesting fight. I'm not sure Perez deserves it as much as someone like Brandon Moreno does. But that said, I think Perez is definitely a more interesting challenge for him than Brandon Moreno or Brandon Roybal. So this is a fight I'm excited to see. I think if Davidson Figueroa wins this uh, in the way that I think he does, he's pretty much the best guy in the division. Um, and I'd pick him pretty confidently over the guys that are left. For sure. Um just looking at the card before we sign off, we are not going to do any type of breakdown on any more fights, but there is another title fight between Valentina Shevchenko and Jennifer Maya. It is what it is. Uh, Mike Perry is fighting Tim Means. Uh, I believe on short notice, he stepped in for Robbie Lawler. Uh, there's another fight. <laughs> there's another fight. Shogun is definitely not fighting. He retired. That's not happening. Um, but yeah, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royville is for Moreno, at least, that's the number one contender fight. I don't know if Royville would get a title shot with that win, but uh, that, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. That's headlining the prelims. And just somebody something I think is going to end up being really good is uh, Danielle Rodriguez versus Nicholas Dalby. Uh, Rodriguez is like a, a, a very competent boxer. Uh, mechanics are a little wonky sometimes. And, like, you know, he, he doesn't, like, aesthetically look like, oh, my God, this guy's a really good striker. He does a lot of good things and he puts on fun fights and Dalby always brings it and Dalby's kind of in a similar way as a kickboxer and grappler. So I just think that's going to be like two solid, at least for now, mid-tier welterweights uh, just, just having a fight. And I think that's going to be a good one to watch. Uh, is there anything else that stands out in this card for you guys that you're looking forward to? I just want to say real quick, uh, I almost brought up Alex Oliveira for part of a Figueredo comparison. Oh, and you brought up that Figueredo is probably better <laughs> against Southpaws because he blasts them. 
And uh, you mentioned Dalby and Dalby is reminds me of what I call the Southpaw fault line. Like look at all, all his losses and draws. They're all to Southpaws. That's all of his wins, none of them are to Southpaws. Um, and then he fought Alex Oliveira, which is why I brought that up. And he, uh, conversely, Alex Oliveira, he, any Southpaw he faces, he knocks into orbit. Like every time, like it's just one of those weird things I always think of. But yeah, I, I like, in other words, I like Daniel Rodriguez a lot and I especially like him um, in that matchup. Cool. How about you guys, Danny and Chiron? I don't know, but Alex Oliveira being a comparison piece for Figueredo makes me feel like an idiot. I don't know how I haven't <laughs> seen that before. I feel like that makes too much sense. Well, I think it was even you that said, or, or someone that said, like, I don't think it's a good idea for him, Perez, to do clinch attacks and wrestling. And I agree for that reason. Um, not just because of the Oliveira comparison, but I feel like Figueredo's strengths and improvements are in that clinch as opposed to defending open shots. Mm. yeah that's we'll see but i mean this well, is just you saying that now i'm like i'm suddenly thinking about like Oliveira's kind of level changing uppercut and all this sort of stuff yeah 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 drawing them in that yeah yeah good. yeah that brazilian yeah, muay thai <laughs> the muay thai black belt right yes. yeah the muay thai black belt in brazil yeah i've noticed some mean clinch moments from figueredo in like pantojo so you might be on something there but uh i mean the only other fight here that i think is super interesting is uh Roygel moreno uh, but I don't really have a read on it because right. I feel like it's just going to be complete chaos. Uh, Roybal is uh, pretty much complete chaos in every fight, uh, whether it be on the ground or on the feet. I think I called some, uh, I heard someone call him Tiny Ferguson, which is <laughs> a good one. Um, but yeah, I hope he wins uh, because I, I like Moreno, but Roybal is just guaranteed fun and uh, I want Fig to get as many title defenses as possible. <laughs> so uh, go Roybal, uh, join the Roybalution and uh, nothing else. Oh my god! Yeah, hopefully the card's not too depressing. I'll just end with this: that because uh, I guess some guy named Paul Craig might decapitate some dude named Morris Rua. Either way, that's not Shogun, folks. It's like like Ed said, so don't pay attention to that. Morris Rua. Unless he wins, then it was Shogun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice pronunciation, Dan. I like that. It's good. It's good. All right. Anything else to say, guys? I think we covered a lot of ground here. Good. Thank you, Dan Tom. Yeah, you were great. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Dude, it's an honor to be uh, be on here. I, I genuinely mean that. and I, I support your guys' stuff. I love it. Keep keep being you, and uh, I appreciate being here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, everyone check out Dan Tom on Twitter. He had his at on the video the whole time, so hopefully he picked it up by now. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, check out the Fight Site, Fight Site Patreon. You can request content on there, all sorts of stuff. Check out the tiers. We'll detail it all. And that is how we exist. So if you like us at all, you should get on there. All right. I'm going to end the recording now. Bye-bye.